it's very difficult to get your website found in search results these days because there are so many websites out there. So what I do is help optimize your website for search engines. And what I do is look at all the things to do with your business, who your ideal client is, what sort of things are they searching for. That then can translate into what to do on your website and how to get you found in front of the people who want to find you. SEO is something that is a long-term game and it's a long-term strategy. So when you first start out with your business, it's really important to have a clear idea of what you want to get found for. It's a little bit like compound interest. The more you do, the longer you do, the more you get out of it. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Business Secrets Podcast. I'm Joe Cunningham. I'm Claire Hitchin. And I'm Zoe Whitman. We're the founders of WellConnect, the platform bringing you everything you need to know to grow a thriving nutrition business. We're passionate about the nutrition industry and we're on a mission to give other nutrition professionals the confidence and tools you need to build the business of your dreams without the overwhelm. We've got you covered from practical strategy advice, meaningful marketing, social media, knowing your numbers and so much more. Get ready to skyrocket your nutrition business with the help of industry experts. This is the Nutrition Business Secrets Podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's Nutrition Business Secrets podcast. Today I am joined with the lovely Zoe Whitman from WellConnect and we're also joined with Chris McDowell from Brist Tectronic. So Chris's mission is to help independent business owners enjoy their work and achieve their goals. He essentially helps you to get what you're selling to be seen by your ideal client who is searching for you on Google. So this episode is all about search engine optimization or SEO. Chris, do you want to kick off by telling us a little bit about you, a little bit about your business, the type of clients you work with, and what is SEO essentially? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you both for having me on the podcast today. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about this. So what I do is work with small businesses who essentially want to get their website found in search results, because we all know if you get more footfall to your website, you will typically get more conversions, more clicks, more sales. But it's very difficult to get your website found in search results these days because there are so many websites out there. So what I do is help optimize your website for search engines, hence search engine optimization. And what I do is look at all the things to do with your business, who your ideal client is, what sort of things are they searching for. That then can translate into what to do on your website and how to get you found in front of the people who want to find you okay so this is is the kind of thing that I think we often think when we run a small business is like next level like this is something that we're like when I'm doing better it's something that I might think about or we might have heard about it or it might be completely new for people who are listening to this why is SEO important to think about even when you're in those early days of running your business It's a really good question. SEO is something that is a long-term game and it's a long-term strategy. So when you first start out with your business, it's really important to have a clear idea of what you want to get found for. And then that's working out what that translates to for your clients. So it might be that you offer a service, but that might not be the thing that your client is searching for. So it's working out how do you get in front of the right people for the right thing. It's a bit like casting a really big net when you go fishing. You're going to get a lot of search terms caught up in that, but it's all about optimizing the right terms for the right people. 
So having a really long-term view of that helps you build and focus on that. It's a little bit like compound interest. The more you do, the longer you do, the more you get out of it. So with SEO, it does take a long time for your your effort to start paying off. Normally around the three-month mark is when you start to see a difference. Then after that, you can optimize, 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 and you keep growing your appearance, your visibility and search results. Because if you want to get in front of somebody, typically the first thing they'll do, I think the stats are about 60% of searches start on a mobile phone. So typically pull out your phone. I want to have a quick look for something. If you're not on the first page of Google, you're probably not going to get that click. It's really important to optimize your site to get onto that first page, because when you do that, that's when you start to get your clicks, your traffic. Yeah. And and with with Google then, I mean, how does it how does it work in terms of ranking your website or indexing your website? That's another really good and interesting question and something that nobody knows the answer to. So the the idea is we've got this. We've got about 200 to 250 checks that Google runs against your website. We're never going to know them all because that's their their secret source, as it were. And what we do is look at the signals that, that the top ranking websites have. So we can look at things like keyword placement, keyword count, backlink count, who is referring to them, how are they getting traffic, what sort of content have they got on their website. And it's all about the user at the end of the day, because in the nicest possible way, Google doesn't care about you or your website. It cares about the person searching for it, so your ideal client. And it's all about getting that content in front of the client. So if you can serve what they want to buy and read, you are already in with a a fighting chance of getting on page one. It then looks at things such as engagement rate. So how can you keep people on your website? How can you keep people reading, clicking, doing things on your site once they are there? It could be that you have a video on the page, keeps them hanging around. That can increase engagement rate, which Google sees as a good signal. And then if you pair that with your SEO strategy of backlink building. So there's lots of different ways to do backlink building. One good way is to offer guest or do guest posting, which is where you're you're having a post or an article on somebody else's website talking about the thing that you do. What Google then sees is, hey, there's a good website over there talking about your website for the thing you're saying you're offering. And then when Google sees your website, it will say, do you know what? You are selling this thing that they're saying that you're selling. So it just adds and builds on this, this reputation. Google uses this EAT method, which is expertise, authority, and trust. So by having good content, good engagement, and good referrals helps build this authority to help you get found in your search results. Okay, there's, so there's loads to think about there, isn't there? Um, so much. One of, one of the things that I think people get really stuck with, even though like we all know our businesses really well, we know what we do and we know what we're offering and we think we know what the words are related to that. But I think that if someone was to say, you need to know what the keywords are so you can plug these keywords in somewhere, which I know is going to be technical and we'll talk about a bit more. Often we don't really know what the keywords are. I can remember sitting thinking, oh, like I can think of like two or three words, but I really don't know. And there must be loads more. And maybe I need to put loads of other things in here too. So 
what what is a keyword in, from an SEO point of view? What is a keyword, and how do we work out what they are? And then how do we use them within our websites to help all of these things that Google's looking for when it's compiling the search results? You kind of pull on a thread when you start to look at keywords because keywords come in many different flavors these days, and it can be a, sing a singular word, it can be long tail, so it could be a few words bunched together, and it could be an FAQ. So you might see now in search results, you get a people also asked section on your site in, in the search results. And, and what that does is shows you the things that people are searching for. So if you can get those into your site as well, that can help. So keywords come in lots of different formats these days, whether it's in a sentence or a question or as an answer, but it's all based around what people are searching for. So let's say you were an IBS nutritionist. You could try to rank for IBS nutritionist. It's very difficult because it's quite competitive because there's lots of people who offer this service who, or who are this thing, this, this person. Now, what you want to try and do is get in front of people who are searching for either for that or for something related to it. So this is where you get similar keywords, whether they're broad match or kind of exact match keywords. This is typically done with a good content strategy. And you can do things such as, you know, how can an IBS nutritionist help me? Or can an IBS nutritionist help me with bloating, as an example? So what you can do there is have these words, these longer tail keywords, and then you can optimize your content for that. So you could write a really well worded answer to it. And you can explain how an IBS nutritionist can help with bloating. It's just about how you get that wording in there. There's no rule of thumb for how many times you need the words to be in there. There's, there's tools that you can use as plugins on WordPress, as an example, called Yoast. You've probably seen that or, or Rank Math. They're kind of a one size fits all approach. So it will give you a rough idea of how many times you need to get a keyword in there. But the reality is quite different. It does vary between industries and sites and types of offers. And th this is where SEO analysis really comes into it. A good rule of thumb for it is to search for the thing that you want to get found for. Go to the top five websites and look at how many times your keyword that you want to get found for is listed on their site. And then take an average of those top five. It's a very broad rule of thumb, but that's a good example because what that does is tells you that Google likes the amount of times that keyword is in there. So it means it's not keyword stuffed, it's not overused, it's not underused. It's a good average to look at. So that's that's kind of roughly what a keyword is. And the keyword is all about getting your page found for that thing. There's lots of nuances to it and it varies per industry and per website type. But that is the gist of it. And it's all about how you work that into your site and how you use supporting content, which I know we're going to come on to a little bit later to help those search terms rank for your website in search results. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about like my own website, for example. So are you sort of saying that if I if I just sort of say I'm a dietitian on lots of different places, that's obviously a keyword, but it's not a specific keyword. So if I'm honing in on cancer nutrition, I need to have like, I am a cancer dietitian. As a cancer dietitian, this is what I do in different sort of places. Is that what you mean? Making sure that it is dotted around your website in different places. That's it. So maybe not dotted around the website as such, but the web page itself. And there's a reason I say that is it's, it's all well and good having supporting content, but it's 
supporting content that's not going to copy the, the keywords that are used on your main page. So if we, if we take your example there of you know, cancer dietitian, you've got your service page on your website that's going to be super optimized for cancer dietitian. You've got FAQs, you've got headings, you've got text, you've got useful information. Now, if you had a blog post that was going to be supporting that page, you wouldn't want to hyper-optimize that blog post for cancer dietitian because you'll get something called keyword cannibalization. Keyword cannibalization is where Google sees two pages on your website that are ranking for the same keyword. Therefore, neither page benefits. So you both, both your pages disbenefit from it, if that's even a word. So Google doesn't know which one to pick, so neither of you gets the, the benefit. So what you want to do is use supporting blog posts to do things like you said, then Joe is looking at how can a cancer dietitian help you or can you help with something? That could be the blog title, but then the post is all about you know, helping you with your, your diet, what you're going to do, when you're going to eat, things like that. It's that helpful supporting content, which then refers back to the cancer dietitian page which you can say hey you know we offer these services these are the things that help so it's just being really careful what and where you put the keywords so if you wanted to rank for cancer dietitian you would want to hyper optimize your cancer dietitian service page for that or your home page if that's what your whole business is about and then using supporting keywords so variants of the keywords in your supporting content such as blog posts etc it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier on about, you know, the Google's EAT and how establishing authority is really important. And you mentioned link building as well. We're going to talk about what someone like yourself can do to support businesses. But what can people do themselves to, you know, establish authority a little bit more other than making sure that they've got some keywords? So it's, really, it's a really interesting topic because it's there's, there's lots of different ways you can do it. And again, it's not a one size fits all approach. It is very much industry specific, which doesn't help anybody because there's no one guide out there that will tell you exactly what to do. So one of the biggest things that you can do is, is to offer your expertise is to show the services that you offer, show that you know what you're talking about. So let's say you had a, your 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 service page talking about cancer dietitian and you can say that you offer service xyz have a look at this nhs report that supports this thinking and then you help with that service just it's a very generic example but what you're doing there is showing that you're you've got your expertise that you offer this service you've got authority and and trust that's being built there because you're showing do you know what the NHS are also saying, this is the way to go. This is the thing to do. And what Google does, so Google, I'm going to deviate ever so slightly for a second, just to, back, just to backtrack and explain why this is important. Following COVID, Google released a lot of new algorithms. Everybody shifted their business model to online. There was lots of new competition in the online space. So Google started releasing more frequent algorithm updates than probably any other time in history. It used to be several times a year. It now feels like several times a month. So it's quite intense. But what it does is puts preference on recognized authorities as the, the, the websites that are having uh, the most important or most likely truthful thing to read. So that's where you start to see websites such as NHS or NHS affiliates that rank well because they are typically 
the source of truth. Following all the news stories, everything that comes out over the last few years, Google's had to find a way to work out what's genuine, what's not, what's good, what's not. So if you've got your website that's linking to an NHS website that is backing this up, Google doubly sees that that's authoritative and trustworthy. So you're offering expertise, they're also suggesting it is, you're then more likely to be seen as an authority in the subject. What that then does is helps you build trust. So Google, trust is an interesting one. So this is where you've got the, the content on your page and your referrals coming to you, which will make a difference. So by having your page content set up with linking to relevant supporting articles, such as NHS, et cetera, that helps build that authority. So that's something you can do quite easily. You can find online reports, put that into your website or links to it in your website. The other thing that you can do is, is networking, basically. It's working with other like-minded coaches, other like-minded industries, and get a link from their website to your website, so long as it's good and relevant. This comes back to the trust element, where Google, tip, you, you typically get a domain trust, which is how authoritative is your website. These words are quite interchangeable when you talk about these things. Typically... The more authoritative and trustworthy your site, typically the higher you rank. It's a very general sweeping statement that, but that's the, the gist of it. Now, that always used to be the case, and it always used to be that if you had really high-ranking websites referring to you, you had far more chance of ranking. High-ranking websites are typically ones that are used a lot. Facebook, the Times, the very well-used website. That's started to change a bit because we all know the whole Facebook dilemma. Is it trustworthy? Is it not? I mean, I think I've seen today they've just been fined a record £1 billion in data breach fees. So Google's had to change its view of what is trustworthy, what is not based on these sort of events. So Google now looks at things in a relevancy-based setup. So let's say there was a, let's say, let's say I'm sure there is one that exists, a in industry standard of a directory for dietitians that is industry recognized everybody knows about it it's relevant to dietitians if you get yourself listed on that with a link back to your website google sees that as relevant and authoritative so that helps build your trust so whilst it may not have a domain authority as high as something like facebook it's more relevant so it's more important to your website so it's looking at where can you get yourself listed in places like that? Can you collaborate with newspapers? Can you get PR placements, things like that? There's lots of services out there you can sign up for. But if you can get into these places, pointing them back to your service, your page, that will really help you and your ranking. That's really interesting. And for any new graduates who, who might be our listeners, for example, this might mean getting listed on in the freelance group for dietitians. They've got like a find a dietitian directory. So making sure that your website link is on there. And I know there's similar websites for nutritional therapists and nutritionists as well. And in terms of getting links back to your website, is that like the power of PR, like newspapers and other articles that, that you might be that you might be talking to networking? Yeah, so so it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. So PR SEO is all about getting into newspapers, online newspapers, magazines, things like that. That's where you typically have to have some really good engaging content that you write, you get placed somewhere. 
It's great if you've got contacts who can help you with that. There are services out there that do it as well. That's more about your PR SEO placement. There's other forms of backlink. There's, there's lots of forms of backlinks that you can do. One is working with small businesses or blogging websites, that lifestyle type magazines where you can contact them, work with them to basically get your site listed. You could do a blog post about how you can help people get that listed on their website. There's lots of ways you can do it. And there's lots of different versions of it. You've got the PR SEO side of it, which is more about the brand awareness. Hey, here we are. This is who we are. The other side of SEO backlink building is about building the authority within Google. I mean, you can go into nuances on both of those statements, but that's, that's generally how it works. There's lots of other forms of backlinks you can do as well. If you're a bricks and mortar business, so let's say you have a clinic that offers it and you have a place where people come to, you can start to list yourself in business directories like Thompson Local or Yale.com, things like that. That helps build authority for your website in a location. That's really important if you're a place. If you're online, it's a bit different. That's where you want these guest posts and things like that. There's probably hundreds of other styles of backlinks you can do as well. But that's kind of what, what it all looks like. And on that note, something like Google My Business is really, really important for every business out there. Whether you are bricks and mortar, you've got a shop front. If you're an online shop or, you know, just or, or offering services, Google My Business has this direct, essentially its own directory of businesses. You've got your business name in there. You can write your services, write what you're about. You can get your reviews in there. You can respond to your reviews in there. You've got all this information you can put into search results really, really quickly because somebody searches for you and you are well optimized for that thing you offer. You're going to come up in searches, in maps, and you're going to come up in search results when your website is optimized. So if I if I do a bit of a plug for my own business, if you put in Bristol SEO company, I will come up on the first page in maps and search results. I'm going to caveat that with at this time of, of recording, just because the algorithm may change tomorrow, I've got to do something else. But what you're doing there is you're getting in front of everybody all the time. So you're kind of being all up in their face. And by doing that, you're more likely to get a click and people coming through to you and working with you. So using all the tools available is definitely the best way to go. That's really interesting. And I think, you know, I work with a lot of bookkeepers and accountants, so different industry, but I can see how for this industry, dietitians and nutritionists, you in exactly the same way as an accountant or bookkeeper might be able to add an additional side of the story or an angle to a story that's already happening in the press or someone who's writing about something where you can step in and be the expert. It's exactly the same here. So there'll be people who are journalists for example who are writing stories and actually could really back it up with some kind of like input from somebody in this space and I think we can just all all the time be thinking what do I think about that how can I help with that is there an opportunity here for things to be it does become a bit of a job it's like thinking about like what's going to have the best return for my time definitely but I think once you can tune into that you start to see all these opportunities for collaborations and where you can build your reputation as the authority and it snowballs I think like we think oh have you know it's only this one thing I'm going to do but over time those things over a couple of years build into an absolute heap of stuff and all of these links coming back to your website that's it and that that just echoes the whole compound interest 
comment that I made earlier is, you know, the more of this you do, the longer you do it for, the more you get out of it. So if you fast forward five years, because you've been doing SEO for five years, you've been doing all these blog posts and things, you know, in five years time, you've got a wealth of content on your website. Google now has a hundred pages to scan and index and know about you and the things you do. Whereas day one, you have one page. So you are theoretically a hundred times more likely to get picked up because you've got a hundred more pages. And it's really important what you've, what you've just said there about, you know, if there's a topic going on in the press at the moment and how you can put your angle on it. I feel like a lot of people worry that everything they say has already been said. It probably has, but not from your point of view, not from your angle, because you've got an audience that wants to connect with you for a certain reason, because, you know, we might have two IBS nutritionists listening in today and one person is not the right fit for another person. You offer the same service, but it's all about how you connect with people. And it's all about you resonating with them. So by putting in your take on a new story can resonate with somebody and not with somebody else. And it's all, that's kind of how you get in front of a lot of people. And going back to the comment earlier about casting your big net when you go fishing, by putting out all this content all of the time, you're just appealing to more people, essentially. So what you say about the writing your take on a news story that's essentially called newsjacking and it's a really good way to get content and a really good tip that anybody can do is if there is a news story going on at the moment write a blog post on your website about it with your take on it link off to that post or whatever it might be and then share it on linkedin so google really likes the linkedin algorithm and a big part of that is because linkedin is typically a more professional place to live than the likes of Facebook and Instagram. Therefore, Google already has this sort of pre-vetted opinion of things that come from LinkedIn. It's a very sweeping statement again. There's lots of caveats in SEO. There's one of our, one of our favorite sayings is, oh, it depends. And it's because it depends on the topic, the time, what's going on, who's involved, etc. But LinkedIn has a really good algorithm itself. Google picks up on that. And then if Google sees that your website is getting traffic from LinkedIn for a post, it can see this traffic there. So you're going to be more kind of in Google's favor because you're getting traffic for a certain blog post. If that blog post then starts ranking for things, people start searching for those things in the future and you get picked up for it. That's where you start to see your website float to the top of Google in search results. It's all these things that you do all the time. Cool. Okay. Lots and lots to think about here. So I'm going to go like go back and simplify because I'm thinking because I know we can all do all this. Like we all have this in us and we can. And I think there's definitely a confidence journey that we all need to go on to get to the like all the PR. And there are probably people thinking, oh, I'm never going to do that. Like I just wanted my website to rank. That would be a really good place to start. So let's look like let's set that as a long term goal and let's just come back to people who are building their own websites right now, like maybe just ready to launch their business and get started. How can people who, let's say if you're using something like Wix or Squarespace to build a website, what simple things can you do to manage your own website and make sure that it is optimized as best as you can, but just some like, like what's the basics? Where do we start? The advice has probably changed these days to what it would have about a year ago. And that's because, again, Google algorithms update so much and Google loves internal linking and content. Now, content's always been the top thing, but it's how you use it. So if you're just about to start out and build your own website, and you can do this if you've already got one, is 
I use something called the pillar and cluster method, which is essentially, if you envisage a pyramid, and I'm, people listening can't see me doing this, but imagine you've got a pyramid. It looks like I'm doing the YMCA. You've got a pyramid. You've got the top of your pyramid is your service, which is your thing that you want to get fanged for. So let's say it was an IBS nutritionist. That's your top of your pyramid. That's your service. Underneath that, you want a series of pages, which could be blog posts that are supporting the term IBS nutritionist. So how can IBS nutritionist help me? Can an IBS nutritionist help me with bloating as an example? So if you imagine this pyramid, you've got several pages all pointing at your one page. So if you're starting out, quite simply, get a piece of paper in front of you and draw out what you want those pyramids to look like. So you've got, let's say you offer three services, you've got three pyramids. Top of each of the pyramids are your individual services. Then in each of these pyramids, you've got your clusters, which are your supporting blogs. It's just working out what that looks like, because if you visualize it that way, it helps keep you focused on what you're going to be talking about. You don't want to be blogging for blogging's sake. You want to be blogging with intent. So having content on your website that supports each other is really, really important. So if you're starting out on website builders such as Wix or Squarespace, anything like that, before you start putting things down onto screen, just draw out what you want it to look like and how things support other things. So when you then start to build your service pages, which are going to be the top of your pyramid, you can hyper-optimize that page for that thing. So IBS nutritionist or cancer dietitian, whatever it might be. Then you know you've got to write, th let's say, three blog posts per service, and they're going to be up talking about that. So when you start to write the content for your service page, let's say IBS nutritionist, you could have some FAQs on there that says, you know, how does an, how does an IBS nutritionist help me? And you can put a really short answer and then link it off to your blog that you've just written, which is a really long, in-depth answer. So what Google sees then is useful, relevant, helpful content, which helps you rank. So you want to have kind of a wireframe for these service pages. You want your heading right at the very top. There's a really important piece here. You want a heading one at the top that is the thing that you're doing, the thing that you're selling. So your heading one should always be IBS nutritionist. Then you want a paragraph just underneath that that reinforces that, that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm person X, I'm offering IBS nutrition services. Then you want a heading two that kind of alludes to it as well. So why would you want to work with an IBS nutritionist? And another paragraph that supports that. So what you're doing at this point is telling Google, you know, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So by having all these things on your page, reinforcing what the headings are saying is when you start to tell Google, I am talking about this stuff. No, no, I really am talking about this stuff. And then when you've got supporting content that supports that stuff, that's when you start to get your website ranking. So it's really important to have the relevant content on there and the supporting content on there to help your site get found. Yeah, really, really useful. And am I right in thinking, Chris, that you also have to make sure that like your pages fit on a page. So if you're like mobile viewing, for example, you want to make sure that you've optimized your website for mobile viewing. Is that right? Google doesn't like it if it's a bit clunky and messy. That that's exactly right. So not not to get too technical on this one, but they Google brought in something called PageSpeed Insights, and they they do other versions of this. And there's several checks that it runs against your site that 
look at various different things. How fast does it load? You know, how are the images loading? Are they are they there? Are they deferred? But what it does is looks at one of the main things called CLS, which is cumulative layout shift, I think it stands for. And essentially what that means is when your page loads, especially on a mobile, is do items jump around as the page is loading? If it does, it doesn't look very good to you as a user, which goes all the way back to my very first comment of Google doesn't care about you, it cares about the user. Because if you launch a website on your mobile, it takes too long to load, it's jumping around all over the place, there's a million pop-ups, you're probably going to get clicked off from that. Nobody's going to read that. So it's really important to make sure that is really optimised because most searches come from a mobile these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just it might not make a difference at all in terms of SEO, but does it matter if your text is justified or aligned left? Not really. It's important to try and use fonts that load quickly. That's probably more important than that. The SEO side of it that comes into this is more about the user, the UX, the design of it. So if it's laid out in a way that is difficult for the user to read and comprehend, they're more likely to click off your website. So that then causes a lower engagement rate. Google sees that. So it sees that people are coming to your website and then disappearing pretty quick, which Google then says, do you know what? You're probably not a great website. I don't know if I want to recommend you to other people. So it's really important to make sure that your design is there. It loads quickly and it's user friendly for all these reasons. We could go into depths around accessibility and standards, which make it even more SEO friendly from a Google perspective. We're talking about Google a lot, but there's obviously other search engines, Bing and DuckDuckGo, things like this. Google is the main search engine and the biggest search term used on the likes of Bing is Google. So people automatically try to go from Bing to Google. And what that does is it shows that there is a big audience in Bing, not as big as Google, but there is a lot of people there. So if you can optimize your website well to get found in these search engines as well, you've got a far bigger chance of getting in front of people because it's more likely that not as many people are optimizing for it at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's a really interesting topic to, to look at. And it's all about the different standards for different search engines. But as a rule of thumb, if you follow what Google's guidance is, you'll be okay for the other search engines. Chris? How do we know whether SEO is actually working for us? Like, How can we measure whether it's making a difference and what time frame should we expect to be working within and where do we start with measuring this? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a really complex answer to this one. So there's lots of different ways you can tell it's working and there's lots of different ways to track things. One of the quickest, easiest and cheapest ways is to use a tool called Google Search Console. And what you can do is once you've got your site set up in there is look at the impressions and the clicks that you're getting. So the impressions are typically the purple line, and the clicks are the blue line. And what you can typically tell is when the impressions start to go up, it means Google is liking your website. So things are working. When the clicks go up, it's typically when your page starts to appear on page one. So. The impressions is essentially what is your website getting found for in all of search results. So if you've got, the, let's say, the search term IBS nutritionist and you're getting picked up for that, you might still be on page 200. But if you're getting picked up for it, it just means Google knows about you for that search term. 
So it's all about then optimizing, improving your authority, which then gets you up the rankings, which then gets you clicks. So typically what you can see is a graph that will show you that the impressions are going up. And then when the blue line goes up, typically means the clicks are following it as well. Now, in terms of time scales, there's no, there's no one answer for this one because it keeps changing. My rule of thumb is you don't see anything for about three months, which is why people often don't stick to their SEO strategy. But it's really important you have that end goal in sight. The reason I say three months is let's say we did something today. Google probably wouldn't index it, pick it up for about two to three weeks. So let's say, let's round that up to a month. In the following month, Google does something with that. So then as other websites, other web pages get indexed. So let's say you build a backlink this month. Google won't recognize that in your, your profile this month. It'll pick it up in their profile the month after. The month after that, which is your third month, it all marries up. And it's the same for everything with your website. So by the time Google indexes you, the next stage happens, the next stage happens. By month three is typically where you start to see that needle move on impressions, on rankings, things like that. You can use SEO tools that you pay for to rank individual keywords, to find out where you rank in comparison to others. They can get quite expensive quite quickly, but there are tools out there to do that. So that's a possibly a neater way of doing it, but you can look at Google Search Console to get this information. So you have three months of you know what's working, what's not, realistically. Then typically what happens is the following three to six months is where you can optimize, improve. The next six months is all about, you know, really working out how to get to page one. So typically what you see is 12 months of effort will start to get you to page one. And then after that, it's just the tweaking, the monitoring, the improving. The difficulty with all this is Google will update its algorithm all the time. And you often don't get updated until after it's happened. So then sometimes you have to restart a certain section of it. And this is where it gets quite challenging because you, you've, it's something you've got to be on top of, but you've got to also keep an eye out for what is going on. You can't just sort of sit and forget it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind, of, kind of how it all works. It's... Yeah, it's, as you can tell, for people like me, it's a full-time job. Content is king by the sounds of it. Like we just have to keep putting our content out there to build our authority, making yeah. sure that keywords are in there. And and it, obviously it's, it is overwhelming if you're you know starting a business and you, or you haven't started your business yet, or even if you've had your business for a long time, but you're relying on Google ads, you want to move over to sort of organic web traffic. Talk to us just a, just a little bit about someone like yourself, what sort of services you can provide as an SEO specialist. Sure. So I I offer kind of the, the full, I'm going to say the full package. So I've got lots of different clients that I look after and they range from agencies where I freelance for through to managed SEO packages for small businesses. So if we take the small business packages as an example, typically that'll be people who are just starting out or have been around for a while and want to get their website found in search results because it's not performing the way that they would hope. What I do is I take on board new clients. We look at what your goals are, where your competitors are, how are they doing? Now, a competitor may be somebody you know, but also might just be who Google thinks is a competitor and who is coming up top for these search terms. So we look at what that looks like. What are they getting found for? What is getting them traffic and clicks compared to where you are now? 
So that helps us build a bit of a roadmap. So you're, let's say you're, you're over here, you want to be over there. What have we got to do to get there? And that could be things like technical optimization, keyword research, content creation, all these things to optimize the pages. That then turns into, right, we need some backlinks. So we look at who your competitors have backlinks for. We look to then replicate that for yours if it's relevant, and then look at what else we need to do to help build your authority. So month in, month out, what we do is build all of this content creation, content tweaking, improvements, authority building, advice, strategy. So for my client, I mean, even me saying this now, it sounds overwhelming because there's loads to do. But with my clients, what I do is I take all that stress away. I look at, I look after and manage what that strategy looks like and what we need to do when. And I kind of drip feed, hey, this month we need to do some FAQs for this page. Can you provide this for me? It's a little bit of content that you need to provide. But actually what we then do is make sure it's phrased correctly. So there's a certain way to answer FAQs to get the most benefit out of it. The biggest example I give is if you were to Google, how do you bake a cake for six people? The answer should be a bit like a media training answer, which would be to bake a cake for six people, you need to da da da. So it's about phrasing that, then it's about how do we get it into the website? What other SEO elements do we need for that? Do we need schema? Do we need all, all these things? Do we need supporting content for it? So I can then say, hey, we've got these five FAQs now, we need some more supporting content. Can you write me five blogs? And these are the blog titles because that'll help build the inspiration for you to write the content. Because I know that it's something that's really important for you know to try and get away from that overwhelm of what do I write about, how do I do it? But if I can drip feed that information and you can provide the content, we can get into the website and do it in an optimized format. So you're just kind of helping us support this strategy. And then whilst all that's going on, we work with UK copywriters or US copywriters because. That's something really important, actually, is if we've got if we've got international listeners here, Google responds to the language used as well. So whether it's whether you're in the UK, it responds better to UK based copywriting. If you're in the US, it's US based copywriting. It may seem trivial, but actually it's relevant. It's something really important to Google that it takes as a signal. So it's about how do we do that? How do we implement it in the site? So then every month, what we do is give an update to our clients and say, hey, you know, this is how we're ranking this month. These are the extra bits we need to do. Can you do X, Y, Z? And it's just doing that on repeat. And the benefit of doing it that way is several benefits. One of the main ones is that you don't have to think about this strategy. You know, you didn't start your business to be an SEO expert. You started it to help people in the nutrition world. I started my business for SEO. So what we do is basically help you with your strategy. You support us with that. But then the benefit of having a managed plan such as this is Google updates the algorithm every so often. Like I say, it's, it's turning into a full-time job now doing it. Because it's so often, you don't have to worry about that. Because we've got such a, a plethora of clients, we can spot trends. We can see what's going on in the search engine world. So we know how to react to it. We follow Google's advice. So rather than just best guessing, we follow what they're releasing, the information they're coming out with, we're planning for it. So it takes all that stress away from you and your business and just helps kind of glide yourself to the top of Google.
That's really useful to know. And I think that one of the things we've really got to know in business is that we aren't the experts at everything. And and it's okay to ask for help from people who are experts. And actually, when you do that, it takes a lot of stress away because you know that it's being done by someone who really is like in their zone of genius. I think people often see adding these kind of services in as an investment, which they certainly are. And you've explained how this kind of thing will pay off over the long run. And so and like investing in anything is a leap when you're growing a business. But if you think of the time that you would spend like having to learn, you know, for me, SEO, like I've got some ideas about things like a blog, you know, but having that strategy there and actually knowing that it's working towards an end goal, having somebody say, these are the things that I need you to do and I can go and look after the rest. That would that would help so much. So I think that we need to know that we aren't always the expert and the time that we would need to invest to get to even like a quarter of the expert level of you, Chris, is not worth not worth the same as what we would be paying. It, you know, in terms of like, we could be doing better things with that time is what I'm trying to say. That's that's it. And, and you know, I, you know, if, if I had health issues where I needed your support with it, you know, I, I wouldn't go and learn about all this. I would seek out the expert in, in helping me. And I think that's that's really important as well is, you know, I, I like to try and pitch my business at a point where it's accessible to everybody. I think I am one of the more affordable agencies because of the business model we've got. I said agencies, I'm competing with the agencies, but it's, it's, it's kind of me and my co-workers, my copywriters who help support the business. I've got a lot of clients who are agencies, who are, you know, we work with some really, really big clients and we can we can see trends, spot trends that, you know, you, you probably wouldn't get as a mum and dad business, as it were. You know, you, you wouldn't see what's going on behind the scenes with these big you know, big events, tech events, big bits of software that we use to to monitor this. So because we've got all this access, we can I feel a bit like Robin Hood. I can take from all this and give it to the, the you know the everybody every person, which I think is really important because you know, just because you know you might have the best service on the planet, but because you can't compete with the people who've got all that money, why should you just benefit from it? And that's what I try to bring to all my clients is, is helping you get your yourself seen. Oh, I love this. Okay. So uh, I have learned so much from this. I can see Joe nodding. And I think Joe, like we've just, there's so much we could go away with. I mean, all of the stuff around the pyramids, building things around the pyramids, which I've always thought of as content pillars, but now it's just given it a whole new life. The things like knowing that 60% of the time people are looking at your site on their phone in the first instance, because they're like, they've had a little thought and they're like, oh, I'll just look that up. And that's probably the very first time they've come across you. And knowing that all the time means we have to start with mobile. And then there's there's so much we can do in terms of collaborations. This podcast called, is called Nutrition Business Secrets. And we always love to share like a really juicy takeaway. What's the one secret that you'd love our audience to know? Or the one thing that they really need to take away? Maybe it's something you've told us already. Maybe it's something else that you're like, oh, they really need to know this juicy thing. Yeah, what's the thing that we should really be going away and implementing now? Honestly, it's the pillar and cluster, the pyramid method. So that's really true as of the last three months so it's something that if you've had a website for a long time you may not have had implemented or or may not have thought of it in this way the the latest algorithm updates are all about content and how you help people so it's all about useful content and helpful content so i would think of what your services are the top of your pyramid and then look at three questions that support that that would be the biggest thing. So as an IBS nutritionist, you know, you can go to Google and search for how can they how can they help me? How can 
they help me with service X. Get three questions and write 700 word blog post answering each of those in depth. On each of those blog posts, at the bottom of them, say, I can help you with this and link back to your service page. So it's going to be quite a bit of content writing because it is it is king at the moment. But three questions, long answers as a blog post and link it back to your service. And I would I would almost put money on it that Google will pick that up and index it as useful content pretty quickly compared to just a hi, I help with this. Amazing. Thank you so much. Everyone can go away and do that now. Chris, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? So I'm on all social medias at BrizTechTonic. And then I've got my website, BrizTechTonic.co.uk. I've got all my services listed on my website. I've got lots of free guides as well that you can sign up for and, and use. There's some snippets in there and worksheets that you can work through to help plan out your website as well. So if you're building your new service page, it'll tell you best practices for heading tag placements, things like that. So you're welcome to download those and have a look at your at your leisure. Really helpful. Thank you ever so much. Thank you everyone for listening today to the Nutrition Business Secrets podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>